0: This week's episode is brought to you by the TalkBuster podcast. Every episode, Chris Chipman and a guest reminisce of their time working for Blockbuster. Now, even if you've never worked for a Blockbuster, I guarantee you'll find the stories both hilarious and relatable. One of my personal favorite stories was when he had a guest retelling his time of working at a porn shop the day before Christmas when they were just packed to the gills. So, listen to the TalkBuster podcast on all your favorite platforms today. welcome to geeks with shield it's your home for all things good and nerdy in this the darkest timeline i'm lord command orc and with me as always is
1: his shield brother axel wright
0: i don't know about you but ever since we really started living in the darkest timeline that that opening's less fun for me
1: uh yeah but it's kind of our thing now and it's all the more <laughs> accurate every day right
0: oh yeah so uh how are you holding up in this apocalypse we seem to be living through
1: uh i'm having a, it it's a nightmare that's what it is. I'm working from home this week, and next week I gotta go back in because I have one coworker who does the same thing as me, and one of us has to be in at all times. So this week I got to stay home. Next week he'll stay home. Yeah. Doesn't help that I'm going through all sorts of personal, emotional stuff that have nothing to do with the with all of this. So on top of that, and yeah, I'm just I'm not having a great time. How are you doing?
0: Uh I just came off my two weeks paid leave to only get put back on leave because some members of my household are sick and until we can determine if they are if i am sick i can't go back to work
1: yeah i saw your post about that online so
0: yeah they're kind of treating it day by day but they're kind of going oh well this is unprecedented stuff so we'll get back to you
1: well a friend of mine who works at walgreens uh brought me some toilet paper today i wasn't like out out but i was like i could use some more <laughs> so yeah we
0: fortunately bought more toilet paper like right before this all started yeah God bless costco in the non-crazy times
1: i do think it's funny that if everyone didn't buy it in such huge bulk like if you just went and picked up one maybe even one a day whatever it would still slow it down enough to where everyone could have some
0: yeah now you're talking sense and as we're clearly seeing through this whole thing sense is not prevailing yeah anyways i us thank the people that are supporting us in more ways than they understand. These are our patrons, and they are Pam Galley, Marky, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Reed, Arthur Crane, and Kevin Vahey. Kevin, you you got to tell us how this is pronounced. Now, yeah. if you'd like to join that illustrious legion, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash shields for only 25 cents an episode. You guarantee that, one, we have money to make the podcast two we can buy things for the podcast and three you get access to all sorts of great content which if you are self-quarantining we got quite a backlog of things to check out so speaking of patron this week's episode is kind of a very special episode because it comes from one of our top patrons Pam Galley she had donated a sizable sum to the patreon and we felt that it was only fair that she got to choose an episode and we asked her what she wanted to talk about and she said I don't know Stephen King and we went what about our top favorites? Are you know top so, five Stephen King movies? And we said okay. So is she just a huge Stephen King fan then? Oh yeah, this is if we ever had her on, this is her pillar of geekdom. This is her house of geekdom.
1: Well, he has like one of the largest bodies of work of any author, as far as I know. So
0: yeah, and we don't. These are not. I I didn't structure mine, and these are my top five. These are just five that I enjoy because when I really started thinking about it, there's structure- a lot of really good oh wow i didn't i just kind of threw five together that i liked there's a uh, lot of I, good stephen king and there's a lot of bad stephen king see i'm gonna be perfectly honest
1: i had to google stephen king movies and, uh-huh. and then i only saw that like six of them were ones i've seen so and
0: that's what i was thinking this is kind of a tough one for you because you don't like horror movies really like that's not your bag
1: yeah it's funny because like Two of the movies in my list are, are not horror movies that, you know, that I've actually seen. And I feel like I, I wish I could have had – I that I've seen more before, like, making this. But with everything going on, I haven't really – I don't know. It's all excuses. It's BS. Point is, it's on me. I'll talk. I'll talk about the ones that I have seen and what I liked and whatnot. And that's what you get from me. So sorry, Pam. Uh, you know, in in response, I want you to tell us what your favorite is, especially movies, and then I'll go watch it.
0: Anyway, <laughs> well then, I think I will just you know dive in and talk about what is maybe the most Stephen Kingy Stephen King movie: Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, I've never even heard of that. Oh, okay. Maximum Overdrive 1 has a soundtrack by ACDC. 2 was directed by Stephen King because, quote, no one can do Stephen King like Stephen King can. And 3 is about killer trucks.
1: Killer trucks.
0: Yep. Okay. A meteorite passes by the planet, and everything with a motor becomes sentient and bent on killing us. So cars
1: but a horror movie?
0: Yeah. But there's also, you know, like uh soda machines, lawnmowers, electric knives.
1: I mean that sounds theoretically interesting.
0: It is hilarious because this is during Stephen King's what well, we're gonna call it cocaine period. Isn't all the eighties his cocaine period? <laughs> Yeah, but I, this I remember is reading when he wrote and directed. <laughs> I remember
1: reading a story once that said that he doesn't remember at all writing uh, Cujo because he was so high the entire time. He doesn't remember any of it.
0: So. Yeah, and Cujo was his very early work when he was not only high, but drunk and probably experimenting with hallucinogenics.
1: Uh, I don't know. King is a crazy man. Anytime I oh, see him yeah. pop up in, as a cameo in something, it's usually as like the creepiest dude. <laughs> I have the strong memory of him showing up in Sons of Anarchy,
0: so... Yeah, no, he's a a weird dude. And, I mean, yeah, so this one, if you haven't, check out the trailer, because it's him just leaning into, really, you guys think that no one can do me? me? Okay, let's see what I've got. And I'm going to make this, you know, short book I wrote into insanity with a soundtrack by ACDC.
1: I just went to the wiki, and the bottom of the opening says that King himself described the film as a moron movie. He considered the process a learning experience, after which he never intended to direct again.
0: Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a weird-ass movie. But, I mean, the opening, it gets going pretty quick with then everything started killing people, including the ambiguous Stephen King cameo, which, fun fact about that, traditionally, Stephen King only does cameos in movies he wrote the screenplay for. Really? It Chapter 2 being one of the few uh, exceptions. Mm. It's kind of his seal of approval. But his cameo in this one is a guy trying to get money out of an ATM when it goes off. It steals his card and then starts flashing asshole. And he goes, honey, this machine just called me an asshole. All right. And it just sets the tone for how dumb and goofy this movie is. At one point, people are assaulted by a soda spewing vending machine. And it just continues to amp up and amp up and amp up and get more and more insane until we get to a gas station, or trucker gas station to be specific, and all the trucks begin circling with these group people inside, and you'll love it, they're being led by a green goblin
1: truck. Oh, that's what the pictures I saw when when I image searched this thing.
0: Yeah, that is literally the leader is a toy truck with a big green goblin face on the front.
1: Huh. I wondered why that looked familiar. Uh, yeah yeah that is wow <laughs> i have no words for that i mean that means that
0: someone had to think that i just don't know yeah. about that <laughs> and so this little band of people being trapped inside tries to you know fight off the trucks as they continue to circle including at one point blowing one up with a rocket launcher because sure. the owner of the gas station has been smug has been uh smuggling weapons for the cartels okay sure yep and then so they blow up a few and then they reach a tentative ceasefire to refill the trucks and make an escape for it this sounds and, like a fever dream uh-huh Well, wait till you get to the ending because i'm we're, we're gonna spoil all these movies for you but this movie i can spoil it and you can still enjoy it because okay. the end of the movie is text and then it says uh a spaceship showed up several days later but was destroyed by a quote-unquote russian satellite um okay, and the day was saved by a Russian satellite with quotation marks around what the Russian satellite was. okay, this movie is definitely one of those ones. Imbibe your favorite substance, sit back, and laugh your ass off at the pure insanity of it, but also kind of a terrifying concept when you start thinking about it. everything with a motor now can you know has sentience and wants to kill me. Eh. If they want to, they're going to get you.
1: It sounds like a great concept for a genre flick. And uh, did I see...
0: Is, it the, is Maximum Drive the name of the original story it's based on? Don't... I think so. I think it was just a short story. Because this really is one of those... His short stories, like he has an idea and he tried to flesh it out.
1: Oh, uh, no. This, the original short story is called Trucks, which was included oh. in his first collection of short stories, Night Shift. So, there you go. I, just, I saw a reference to Killdozer, so I was like, it's not the same... No.
0: It's again same similar concept, but a I little so. better. And I mean, this has no pretense. This is not trying to be anything more than it is. It is a fun, dumb, schlocky movie. It is a it is schlock.
1: As long as you had fun with it, right? I, I mean, that's what's most important. And this yeah. sounds like I said, it sounds like a genre flick. So since it's a genre flick, it's that's all it needs to be. Uh, so I'm gonna get right into just. Because we've got ten movies to go through, because, spoiler, organized oh, lists don't have any overlap. Well, five a piece.
0: Yeah, I know. I was like, wait a second. I think of five more? Okay. No, I'm, I'm caught up now.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, my first movie on the list is Carrie, which I didn't even realize was Stephen King. I don't know why I didn't know That's that. That's his first book. I didn't know that. that
0: yeah, uh, he, but uh, threw it in the trash, and his wife dug it out and told him he needed to finish it and have it published.
1: Yeah, wow. I mean that's surprising because I uh, I I adore Carrie as a story, and uh, I especially adore you know the recent pseudo re- related thing. I'm not okay with this, which is actually based on the comic that wasn't. But anyway, it's totally Carrie. <laughs> and, yeah, I guess. yeah. But I, I I've always loved the idea of uh, Carrie as a story, especially because the idea of um. A uh, young abused child getting revenge on everyone who you know has wronged her is a very very powerful image for a young child who lives in not the best situation. You know.
0: So. Oh yeah. No, this is uh, my mom's favorite book of his because really? it came out when she it came out when she was in high school, and she loved the idea of a teenager being able to have that power and take out all their frustrations on people that annoyed her.
1: Yeah, as, as for the movie, it's been many years since I actually watched the movie. Uh, what I remember, obviously, is the psychotic mom that... Um, oh, yeah. And I remember that the actual actress playing Carrie herself is really, really good at, like, seeming vulnerable and also really dangerous at the same time. And, of course, the image of the uh, covered in blood is burned into my brain for all eternity, so...
0: I actually sure sure remember the, the first appearance of uh, John Travolta, if I remember correctly.
1: Really? I didn't know yeah, that. he's the bully. Yeah, I was going to say I don't really remember the bullies all that well. I like the stuff that all sticks out in my head is all the the Carrie and her mom stuff. Oh, oh by the way, a little bit of spoiler here. I don't have The Shining on this list because I actually haven't seen The Shining, but it's on my list to watch. <laughs> And I really want to. I just never got around to doing it. But it's one of those ones where, like, I bet this would be on my list just because. But I haven't seen it, so sorry. Although I have heard that really it's, it. I have heard that it's extremely different from the book. So oh yeah,
0: Stephen King hates it.
1: Yeah, but it's uh, apparently a great movie. So whatever. Anyway. Yeah, Carrie. So that's my... I, I don't really even have that much to say about it other than I think Carrie is such a brilliant concept inherently that it's hard to kind of mess it up. As long as you have an actress playing the main character who is likable and make everyone else not likable, then the Carrie story works really well. I didn't actually see the the, the remake that came out a couple years back that had um, Hit Girl as Carrie. I heard that it was okay.
0: <laughs> it wasn't bad, but the only real complaint I have against it, and this is kind of a mixed one, is it is literally a shot-for-shot remake, but done more contemporary. Mm. And that's kind of a problem for some people. It's like, well, you always have the original. But I, my counter-argument against that one is but this is one you can more easily sell a younger generation on.
1: Well, now we have... Story- uh... Now we have I'm Not Okay With This, which can accomplish that, so...
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's also Carrie. No, they've done a lot. Carrie's got... They've they've done Carrie a lot. Some good, some bad. A couple sequels in there that are just hot garbage. I was not a... I mean, I'm not surprised
1: that Carrie had sequels, but uh, I wasn't aware. Wait, wait. Did they at some point make it like her mom was part of a cult at some point, and that's why she has powers?
0: Is that that a thing? That's probably... I have not committed that to memory, but I'm I'm pretty sure that that happened at one point because they cranked these suckers out.
1: I don't know. Anyway, that's that's my, my first on the list. What's your next one?
0: The uh, next one I'm going to talk about is Misery, one we've all heard about for one very specific scene.
1: Okay, Misery I at least know about. Yeah, I, I know Misery very well. I haven't
0: watched the whole thing. I've seen many parts of it, but... <laughs> This is uh, one of Slygothar's favorite horror movies and Stephen King books. And oh boy, is it hard to watch. Oh, by the way, side note if there's anyone out there who for some reason doesn't
1: know Carrie, uh, teenage girl has psychic powers. Everyone in her town pushes to the edge. She murders her prom. There. <laughs> so. Yeah. Misery. Parodied to death. Yeah. Misery is what happens if a famous person is basically held hostage by the worst kind of fan.
0: Yeah, this one's kind of uh, ahead of its time in a lot of ways. Well, at least the whole crazy fan culture, or toxic fan culture, if you will.
1: Yeah, uh, was that Kathy Bates?
0: Yeah, this was her first Oscar. It's Kathy Bates and James Caan. Yeah,
1: I always forget James Caan, but Kathy Bates is such a, a powerful, terrifying force in every scene that I've seen of that movie, so...
0: Uh-huh. Like I said, she got her Oscar in this one, but the whole premise is that James Caan is a writer and he's driving on the snowy roads and he goes over an accident and he gets rescued by this nurse and she's going to nurse him back to health and it turns out that she just loves his book series about a character called misery and she just is so excited and she can't believe how great it was that she found him and she convinces him to let her read the newest book in the misery series only to find out that he's killed the titular character, and then she goes crazy and refuses to let him go and begins more and more levels of torturing him to keep him, including the famous hobbling scene.
1: Apparently this is the only film based on a Stephen King novel to win an Oscar. Really? That's what I just saw on the the wiki page. I mean, it
0: makes sense, because I'm not going on a rant about the Oscars.
1: And the the Oscar was
0: Bates winning the Best Actress. She is terrifying in this, and she does a great job because... And she's very innocent and kind and says words like cock a you and you don't suspect anything of her. But when she snaps, it really gets, you are terrified. And basically it's one of those movies of he keeps almost escaping, he keeps almost getting away, he keeps almost getting there, and then something happens. And it just continues to escalate and escalate and escalate and the ending's a bit of a bummer in that he you know burns the book and kills her and then you know kills himself i think but you can really tell this was a a stephen king very personal one of him. he kind of a nightmare like what would happen if i got captured by a crazed fan
1: yeah didn't like
0: how i wrote a book
1: yeah i'm sure that that had gone through his mind a number of times how many how many books had he written by the time he wrote that
0: uh, I don't know. The man writes an insane amount of books.
1: I remember reading once, again, these are just hearsay stories. I read, I read something that said that Stephen King writes like 30 pages every morning, regardless of their quality, just to basically pump out something. And that's how he, active as he does.
0: Yeah, from what I've been told, he completes so many books a year, his publisher has to hold them back to keep from flooding the market. No, that's one of my favorite Family Guy jokes. This Family Guy did a Stephen King parody, and they parodied Misery. And they have Brian hit Stephen King with his car. And as Stephen King's flying through the air, he goes, this would be a great idea for a story. And by the time he lands on the ground, he goes, done. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Because that is him. And the performances in this are insane. Kathy Bates is legitimately terrifying. And, I, you know, the hobbling scene, we all know it it is what makes this movie hard to watch it is so painful oh by the way sorry
1: side note it looks like that their inspiration was specifically his fans reaction to his 1984 novel the eyes of the dragon
0: i don't know that one so uh
1: apparently a lot of fans didn't like it because it was an epic fantasy book and not a horror book at all and his fans were angry at him so that that response is what led to misery
0: (laughs) that makes sense but like i said this is one definitely worth seeing it's not too long it's relatively short kathy bates deserves that oscar james khan you know james khan's james khan you're not gonna get a bad performance out of james khan
1: all right um my next movie which is another one that i had no idea was actually stephen king is secret window
0: remember that one i remember it i've never seen it but i know the twists and i hear good things yeah, definite. So that's its own mixed bag nowadays, but we're not here to talk about
1: that. Yeah, yeah, regardless of all, regardless of all that. And I've heard some people say they really don't like this for a lot of reasons, but so Secret Windows plot is there's this author, so we got another Stephen King story about an author. Uh, there's this author who's having like major writer's block. So and he lives in, you know, New York. And he goes to this like cabin in the, you know, this tiny ass town. It's a little bit out of the town so he could basically get away from like all the you know difficult things and his divorce like he's been working on this like divorce for a while so and then while he's in this the woods essentially in this cabin uh, trying to write this story some creepy ass dude shows up and it's like hey you stole my story you plagiarized me he's, the, the line is you stole my story and he says it in this draw that's like super creepy that's and so, uh
0: john truchero isn't it
1: I don't remember. Yeah, I'm John I'm going to, to Google it real quick. Yeah, yeah that's John Turturro. Anyway, so so then he starts having these interactions with this guy as the guy keeps accusing him of plagiarizing, but the author finds, like, oh, here's proof. You know, your story was written here. My story was published here. You plagiarized me, actually. And then things start getting really weird and some scary shit starts happening. And, yes, there is a, a big twist at the end that I – you know what? I'm just gonna talk about because again, this, this is an old movie. If you haven't seen it by this point, eh. but the um, his wife ends up coming to check on him, along with her new guy. I don't remember the exact details of it, but it turns out that all of this point, he had been uh, super high on on drugs and hallucinogens, and that the creepy Southern drawl dude was a hallucination, didn't exist and manifests as another personality in him. And there's this great scene when, when it shifts and you can see that throughout like the entirety of the movie, his tables are like covered in like soda cans and, and snacks and stuff. But then once the twist is revealed, it shows those same tables and they're like cans of alcohol and drugs (laughs) and shit showing that like from the entire time going forward, what we were seeing was not exactly what was happening. And then he ends up uh, murdering the his his divorced his uh, ex wife and her new per, uh, person and burying them in his backyard and uh, planting corn there. <laughs> and the town totally knows he did it, but can't prove it. So they just have to deal with him existing there. And it ends with him just eating the corn that he's growing on bodies.
0: Lots of nitrogen. Good for
1: corn. Yeah, it is... Um, yeah, it was fun. It's a creepy movie. that I think the performances are great, and I think that's a really good... I mean, this came out of roughly... Let's see, what year did it come out? I remember this coming out at the time. 2004. See. So, oh, wow, 2004? I thought it was older than that. Or yeah, no, no, but 2004, so... I feel like twist endings like this were not terribly uncommon. Like, you know, Sixth Sense basically made everyone kind of more aware. Of we these hadn't gotten cool
0: through the wave of Shyamalan yet.
1: Yeah. So, but I still feel like this particular one always, uh, I liked it always because there was the hints that happen about what's going on beforehand are extremely subtle, but easy to catch once you know what's happening. And that's the kind of twist I really liked because I didn't see it coming. And I'm,
0: you know, when I first saw it, I really liked it. So, that's what I've heard, is that, you know, from a lot of people that either, not heard people that didn't like it, or people that liked it, but everyone kind of agrees. but that twist was insane.
1: Oh, also, he uh, the murdering cures his writer's block, and he basically writes a story that seemingly is what it has happened throughout the
0: movie. <laughs> Man, what is it like inside Stephen King's mind? Well, especially when he writes a story about an author
1: who is himself, the killer it's I, I don't know it's like i mean i feel like in that case it'd be were you just writing what would happen if you 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 yourself
0: went crazy after all of your drugs and shit <laughs> i don't i don't know i uh, maybe he thought i don't i don't know the man is a little bit scary just because of the stuff that bounces around his noggin
1: yeah apparently the original story is called secret window secret garden so the garden is part of it they didn't like that part for the movie title and uh yeah it, it's it, it yeah, it lists that the the author is an, an- a veiled analog of King himself. So <laughs> more yeah, radio. like we need to really know that. And I don't know how accurate. Again, I haven't read the book, but uh, I like the the movie, and I would totally read the book. I'm currently reading James Clavell Shogun though, so until I get through that, I have nothing. You know,
0: <laughs> Stephen is that, short stories are a good way to start with Stephen King because you can get through them. I mean, they're not always good, but, but... Uh, another
1: thing. Again, regardless of what we are supposed to be feeling about Johnny Depp right now, because I honestly don't know, I don't – but he in this movie was so – I enjoyed it so much, especially because like – I don't remember if Pirates came out before or after. I remember when Pirates came out, but
0: – Pirates?
1: Know, I, I think it's around the same time. Yeah, but the point is that everyone in my friend's group was like, Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow, and I was already like, yeah, it's a fun character, but I like him way more as this creepy, psychotic dude in this movie, so –
0: Oh yeah, no. Yeah, I remember that. I said, this is on the watch list because I've heard enough good things and I kind of want to check it out. And for better or worse, Johnny Depp is a good actor when he yeah. wants to
1: be. Plus the thing is good, a- good person and good actor are not um, exclusive ideas. And I don't, and I don't know. Again, I don't know if Johnny a good person at this point, because apparently there has been some. St- I'm not here to talk about that. I don't know anything about that. Don't, don't ask me.
0: So, <laughs> and what's your don't next? leave your. Do not leave comments about it in the comments below. I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't want to hear about it anymore.
1: Yeah. What's your next movie? <laughs> uh,
0: my next movie is one that I did not realize for the longest time was a Stephen King movie, but Cat's Eye. Another one I have never heard of. Oh, uh, this is a really good one this is again based on a bunch of his short stories and it's kind of an anthology and it starts just it's following this cat and the first story is about this guy who is determined to quit smoking and he's tried and he's failed and he's tried and he's failed and he's finally decided he's going to go to this service he heard from a friend this guarantees results and what it is is the people that run it they're ex-mob they're ex-mob enforcers so you want to quit something they're going to make sure you quit it (laughs) and the whole first bit of the story is him trying to you know quit smoking and failing and then the mob boss coming after him to cut off a finger
1: you know i'm already having a a really hard time at this point not just analoging these stories to king himself like this strikes me as another i'm having a hard time with addiction let's write a story about this
0: yeah, and the best part is this is they this movie used uh I'll be watching you by the police. <laughs> and it really hammers home how creepy that song is.
1: Yeah, it's always been creepy.
0: Yeah, because there's lots of scenes like he's you know, smoking up and he sees the guy and there's this whole weird surreal scene where he's drunk or high in a club and everyone's smoking and the mob guys smoking and laughing and the song is playing and He ends up quitting smoking. I think, if I remember correctly, he loses his pinky finger in the process. Jeez. And the cat goes on to the next place. And, you know, the next one, (laughs) this is an interesting one, is about this guy who gets caught cheating with, I think it was another mob boss's girlfriend. And the guy is like, hey, I'll make you a deal. You go out on the ledge and walk all the way around this penthouse suite once, I won't kill you. Okay. I do not advise this movie the Vertigo because it's literally this little short story here is this guy out on a ledge doing his very best not to fall to his death. Mm. And at one point, there's this evil pigeon that comes up and just starts attacking the fuck out of his feet. Mm. And he's hanging on the ledge with his fingertips trying to, you know, get rid of the... Pigeon, and at one point the guy pops out and tries to push him off, and of course he ends up making it out, you know, alive. But the whole time this movie, there's been you know the cat. The cat has been watching all this, and he is our POV, and he keeps hearing this little girl's voice calling to it. So now we get to the end. The cat goes and he finds this little girl, and she adopts him, and the mom. You know, this is this is it's, it's weird. This is when it's getting weird, and it's kind of strung together. But you get this scene with. The the little girl's grandmother and mother talking about the old wives' tale that cats steal uh, children's breath. Okay. I don't know if you ever heard that one. Never heard it. Uh, It dates back to that, you know, cats would sometimes climb on babies' chests to, you know, lick the milk off their lips, or they like to sleep on their chest warm and end up smothering them. All right. Unfortunate thing. And, you know, they're like, oh, well, the little girl, you know, she loves the cat so much, it's okay. And you're like, "Okay, this is what we're leading up to where is this going?" And then a little door opens up in the girl's bedroom, and a tiny troll pops out, a troll. Yep, little troll. Okay? And the troll goes up and starts stealing the little girl's breath. I, and this, All right. Uh-huh. Now I told you this this movie gets weird in its third story and it leads to the cat and the troll fighting. Um okay. Yeah, the cat chases the troll off, and so, you know, another night passes, and the troll comes back, and this time it fights with the cat, and it stabs the cat in the shoulder, and then kills the little girl's canary, and escapes back into its hole. Now, at this point, the mom's convinced the cat's no good, and that it killed the bird, and so they send the cat off to be euthanized at the vet. And now the little troll comes back and it wedges a doorstop underneath the girl's bedroom and goes and starts draining the girl's soul and the parents can't get in and the cat knows that it's needed and it escapes and comes back and there's an epic fight between this little stop-motion troll and this cat. okay And here's the climax. The climax is the troll realizes it gets defeated and so it jumps and grabs onto the and goes to fly away, and the cat leaps onto it and knocks it into a fan, chopping it into pieces. Uh, what the hell, man? I... It keeps getting weirder, though, because the parents come, and they ask the little girl what happened, and she's telling that the cat saved them from the troll, and they're like, okay, honey, until the dad picks up a little knife, and chunks of troll start floating to the floor, and he sees the little hole that it climbed out of in the wall, and you think, okay, that was weird. And then the movie ends with you know the parents and sleep in bed and the cat slowly climbing onto the dad's chest and slowly going up to its mouth like wait a second what's 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 happening here and then the cat just licks his face and the movie cuts to black.
1: All right, um, this was written by this one's written by Stephen King. It's one of his it's one of his short story collectives, but turned into a movie. Yep, because it's three stories, right? And yep, the first two are based in something like reality <laughs> and uh-huh. then troll
0: yep i this, i don't yeah, this
1: know is, this
0: is why i love this movie is it's, it's it's like it's a lot like maximum overdrive it's a bit more serious but you're just following this cat in this story and you're going where the hell is this going and then all of a sudden troll apparently the young girl is drew barrymore because she was yeah. in everything as a child <laughs> she also
1: was in another stephen king movie Firestarter. oh yeah I no man just I mean, listening to your description of this sounds like what is the what is the through <laughs> line supposed to be I get that it's three separate stories why is it in the movie form why not
0: like three little short what's the connecting the cat the cat it was in all three stories and that was the connecting why what does the cat represent <laughs> The cat is just a way to connect these three movies together so they can make it a movie. I don't know. But I said, this is a weird one. Because you're right, you're sitting like that. First movie, Oh, that was pretty good. That was pretty intense. And second movie, holy shit, that was, that was really, I felt like he was going to fall off. Then third movie, troll? What does trolls have to do with anything? Where did the troll come from? Why does it have a little doorway into the little girl's room? What is going on?
1: I can think of very little you've told me that has uh, confused me as much as this.
0: Uh-huh. It's you gotta see it. I you know, mean, I don't.
1: I don't really imbibe substances anymore as a general rule, but I feel like I might have to get wasted and watch
0: this. Uh huh. It might make more sense. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really weird movie, but it's a really fun movie. It's a great Halloween movie to watch with a bunch of other people, and don't tell them the end if they haven't seen it. Is there Don't anything else worth even like mentioning about
1: it, like actors or directing or anything like that? Because it sounds like just describing the story is like, here's what is important about sharing this. So I'm I'm sure there's somebody, there's people in there. That, it's only you know... 94 minutes long. They could have just made this into three 30 minute like things. Why is this? <laughs> it's so short. You got three stories. Why not? I...
0: Okay. (laughs) See, now you want to show it to somebody so they can turn you at the end and go, why did you make me watch that? What did the troll have to do with anything? Why was the cat being called a little girl? The more I read about this, the more questions I have.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Jack Cardiff did cinematography. I know that name. What has he done?
0: (laughs) This is the rabbit hole we're going to go down.
1: Yeah. I don't know.
0: I... Okay. Uh Uh-huh.
1: My next film... (laughs) is Stand By Me, <laughs> which isn't a horror film. <laughs> it's a coming-of-age film that um, I always put in the same place in my brain as something like The Sandlot, because that's also a coming-of-age film, but whereas The Sandlot is it's generally... a lot kinda...
0: darker than Sandlot.
1: Yeah, well, it's funny, because Sandlot had, did have some oddly ho- horrific elements with how the kids see the dog, but Stand By Me is four kids going on a... Trip up a mountain, um essentially, and they find a body, and none of that's really important. What actually is just important is just these the these characters interacting along the way, and it's all being narrated by one of the kids as he's older. Again, a lot just like Sam. I think that's why I associate that. But in, in this case, it's like, yeah, one of these kids is dead. That's how the movie starts. Uh, that the the grown up version of the kid died. That's why we're hearing the story in the first place, and. So that the you know, things that happen like at one point they have to cross a bog, essentially. When they come out of it, they're covered in leeches. It was actually rather horrifying to me when I saw that. Um, they're being essentially chased and harassed by uh is it Kenneth Branagh playing the is no. Who was playing the bully? It can't you know? be Kenneth. No, it's someone who looked like him though. Um, yeah because
0: I can't possibly he'd be too old
1: for this then Kefer Sutherland ah that's right yeah, that they makes, have the same they have the same face and hair that's why I always mix that um, up anyway yeah but Keith Sutherland's playing Ace the uh, the gang leader who's who bullies them and then uh but by bullies them I mean like they, they do some her some really uncool stuff even for like you know kids are psychotic but at the end, of course we have uh will Wheaton, uh, a very young will Wheaton um threatened to shoot him. And that's how he, like, stands up to the bully with a gun. Be like, yeah, I'll kill you, Ace. And there's a great line that always sticks out in my head where, where uh, Ace and his gang are like, you're going to kill all of us? And uh, Gordy goes, no, Ace, just you. And since Ace's cronies are cowards without him, and that's like Ace leaves. It's, I don't know, such a good scene. But, again, the, the reason to watch this movie is just, hey, coming of age tale about four young boys, uh, being friends i mean i don't really know how else to sell people on that
0: <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good movie i mean it really is this whole the journey you know made the men the journey being to find the dead body
1: yeah i mean that's the dark thing about it is just that the whole point of the journey is to find a dead body so
0: yeah have you heard what the actual ending to the book is uh i've heard it was darker i don't remember. Oh, it's yet. a lot darker
1: no was uh, the, the ending original
0: the ending is you know him talking about all the guys and how you know their lights are on and how they each, you know, had a mysterious death. Mm. And the author describing, and that, that that death is coming for him. He feels it. He doesn't know what is going to happen, but he knows that he's going to die. Hmm. And it's always struck me as where did that come from? Uh, it's it makes it, a little bit more sense. It does it does kind of tap into
1: something very primal with the uh, oh three of my who were my best friends when I was a kid are all dead now and I'm the last one in the movie that's not the case in the movie only one of them is dead and the other ones are like fine (laughs) but but, uh but yeah I I can understand that being the 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 kind of fear that King is tapping into but not treating it as horror just like a that's the feeling that's why you start reminiscing on those kind of stories it's like wow I'm you know I don't have these friends you know anymore I just have the memories you know
0: it could also be that Stephen King really struggles with endings
1: that is true, but I and always he just thought, wasn't sure how to
0: end it. But it, it makes more sense than... And then there was a troll.
1: Yeah, it makes a lot more sense than, <laughs> than there was a troll. <laughs> oh, God, why?
0: Yep. <laughs> it's a weird, weird movie.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say about Stand By Me. I, I, Will Wheaton is really good in it. Uh, the other kids are uh, River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, and Jerry O'Connell. And um, I remember Corey Feldman being, like actually pretty odd in it like he's the uh, weirdo is the wrong word but he's like a weirdo certainly so which is like i remember seeing him in other films like that because you know, he was a child star and uh, it was just kind of interesting to see it. and keifer severland reminds me of uh well oddly enough kind of reminds me of the bully from it and it's like man you are out of your goddamn mind <laughs> like
0: well, you know it's, it's a stephen king thing
1: yeah he I, I don't know Stephen King's childhood, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was an older boy who terrorized the hell out of him.
0: <laughs> so, From what I've been able to piece together, Stephen King subscribes both to Freud and Machiavelli when it comes to humans and how they act. And that's kind of the narrative of a lot of his stories is the two, the base natures of humanity conflicting with its, uh, each other. Yeah, I guess so all right so anyway um,
1: go ahead go to the next
0: one <laughs> uh, my next one is one that we all should have seen and unfortunately we didn't and now they're all trapped inside we can r- rectify that is doctor sleep
1: which i didn't see because i hadn't seen the shining yet so but i did hear it was
0: good y- holy hell so quick sidebar on uh the shining and why it isn't on here because I have not watched that movie since I watched it as a child, and I am terrified to go back and watch it. And this movie references heavily, it references both the book and the movie, which were vastly different, and they recreate certain scenes from The Shining, but there are parts of this movie that are deeply unsettling, because, who, boy, there's a lot of child murdering and violent child murdering. Really? Oh, yeah. This movie's all about child murder wonderful yeah so if that's not your bag or you can't handle that that's the trigger do not watch this movie uh the premise basically is danny torrance the little kid from the shining has grown up to be a violent drug addicted alcoholic because of course you do after your father almost kills you when you're haunted by ghosts
1: yeah that makes sense
0: i mean One of the opening bits of this movie is the kid is still haunted by the bathtub lady. Okay. And if you know what the bathtub lady from the shiny is, you know why that is just ugh. And if you don't, she's a corpse that just smiles and walks slowly out of a tub. And good God, I got goosebumps right now, because that fucking movie is just ugh. Anyway. Anyways, he manages to, you know, turn his life around. He gets sober, and he become he, you know, starts he discovers that he can use his Ability, his shine, to help ease people into death in their final moments, and that's where he gets named Doctor Sleep because he's working at a hospice. Anyways, he then gets in touch with this little girl who also has what's called the shine, who is even more powerful than he is, and that's when our villains enter, because they eat this, they eat whatever the shine is, and they violently murder people in the process. So they have to team up to you know fight these, and the big climax of the movie is going back to the Overlook Hotel and recreating Kubrick's film set i mean they went and all of this they they looked at the movie for him for references and they rebuilt it and you can barely tell the difference there's an incredible scene where danny has to talk with the ghost of his father Mm -hmm. and reconcile that you know much like his father he suffers with alcoholism and all that and they get nicholson they get a Nicholson enough lookalike. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Because they can't have Nicholson because the ghost is the same age as when his father died. All right. And they have this great conversation where he, you know, is talking about it's all It gets very much into the sins of the father mm-hmm. and how that gets passed on in kids. And it's both, the whole movie is just edge of your seat. It's shot so well. It's a little bit long in parts. But honestly, to me, the whole thing is paced so well you don't really notice. And when you get to the Overlook Hotel and they're recreating that, it looks so much like that original movie. And it's just insane. And even more, I don't want to spoil this one. I I really don't because more people need to see this. And it does a great job of blending both elements of the book and elements of the movie. And how they were vastly different and brings them together. And holy shit, you wouldn't make mcgregor is acting his ass
1: off in this movie i'm glad mcgregor is getting a lot more just stuff in general i'm super looking
0: forward to his obi-wan show <laughs> oh yeah but i mean he does a really great job because though it makes sense that the guy that you know survived all this horror and trauma would be kind of messed up and have really you know difficult plus, issues. plus he's his father's son so yes and if you know anything about alcoholism it tends to run in families Mm-hmm. And he has that whole period. And again, you kind of get a glimpse into Stephen King because when you first meet him, he is just, he is a real shit heel. And he knows it. And his whole excuse was, listen, I am haunted by ghosts. My dad tried to kill me when I was eight years old. What do you expect? <laughs> yeah. Now, this movie is a blast. And I wouldn't say you need to see the original Shining or even read, you know, the original Shining because it works well enough without it. It's just kind of icing on the cake if you have. I still want to see
1: Shining proper before I watch it, but I get that. Well, uh, my my next movie is um, It. There, no build up. I have been told – I haven't read the book, but uh, my best friend uh, recently listened to the whole thing on audio tape, and he told me uh, that it, it is a – it's a mind trip, certainly. And I've also heard from several reviewers online – I know at least one said these words exactly – but that it is the most – Stephen King, Stephen King book, in that it's like it, you know, it's, a, it's a psychological horror with weird um, supernatural elements that are Lovecraftian set in you know a tiny town in Maine. It goes on for like pages and pages describing, you know, settings and small things in detail. I don't know. I haven't read it, but it's a pretty thick book, so it's, I'm not surprised. It's crazy. But I don't know how anyone could not know the basic story of it. But just in case somehow you're listening to this. Uh, it is about a bunch of children in this small town in Maine that are all having nightmares about a clown um, that is essentially stalking them, um, and then they come to realize that these aren't nightmares. The clown is a real thing, and it is killing people. And that it has existed in the town for a lo- for, for before the town existed. It's been in this area. It's just like. And so every set period of time, uh, 27 years, it it shows up. It has to feed on, you know, people. And so then the kids all have to band together to, to deal with it. Now, in the book, this is happening concurrently with them coming back 27 years later to deal with the thing again as adults. But I thought IT Chapter 2, the movie, was only okay. So – but IT, the movie – one, which is based entirely on them as the kids, was so good; <laughs> it was my favorite movie the year it came out. So, as for the the story, right? You know, like the story is inherently great because you get this whole like, oh, it's basically like a Freddy Krueger kind of thing, but uh, you know, we've got children dealing with it, and we, well, I guess Freddy Krueger already was doing with children. You're dealing with teenagers. These are like actual children, generally like twelve or thirteen, I think. Yeah, they're um, all like
0: preteens. Yeah,
1: and the the kind of imagery that it's funny because I know that some of the imagery they use in the movie is actually like more appropriate than the image they use in the books. So and what I mean by that is, in the book I've heard that the the book imagery, which is closer to the original Tim Curry short series version, is a lot more generalized. Like, oh, he becomes a werewolf or, or things like that. Whereas at least in the it yes, movie, no. yeah. At least in the movie, he turns into things that are very, very specific to what each kid is really dealing with. Um, particularly, like, there's a scene in that movie where... Because uh, he, he, he kills this kid at the beginning and then the kid's brother is still around. And there's a scene later on where the, the brother goes into his basement that is flooded and his dead brother is standing like in the water on the other side of the room and i instantly was like i tensed up so much because the the water and you can't see what's in the water and just the the set it reminded me of something from the conjuring man it was oh so good so creepy
0: yeah i was really expecting to like this movie a lot more than i did i tell me tell me why it wasn't scary
1: i mean I can to kind me. of get that. because I mean, horror is objective. It, well, no, it didn't feel like a horror movie to me. Don't get me wrong. Bill Skarsgård is doing an amazing job as the Pennywise creature, and he's creepy as hell. But I would say that's the thing is that there's only like two scenes that are scary, scary. The rest of it is just creepy and tense. And I think that's why I actually liked it because I'm not really into horror movies. But uh, but creepy movies I can I can deal with the only two movie, scenes that are like actually like scary are the aforementioned basement one, and uh, one that involves all the kids watching a slideshow in a garage that was uh, actually pretty great. So
0: yeah, I mean this movie really should have gotten to me because I am freaked out by clowns. Clowns give me the heebie-jeebies largely because of the original, you know, Tim Curry it, but. Pennywise didn't creep me out, the monsters didn't creep me out, and it was kind of a mixed bag and one part, I had, you know, read the book, mm-hmm. so, or I was reading the book when I watched this, so I knew the Parsons, like, okay, that was good but it was so much better in the book and really, if you haven't read the book, maybe try audiobook, because this is over a thousand pages, but Stephen King has a great job of building tension that they just really couldn't duplicate here because... um, I
1: love that movie, I felt like it was tense as hell, but Go ahead.
0: Well, like you said, you know, in the book, it's generic monsters. But there's one scene that I remember reading, and it literally gave me goosebumps about this. One of the bullies, you know, he's out hanging by the canal, and he suddenly gets a sense of dread. There's something watching him, like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm. And he just gets up, and he goes, and he starts walking. And the book starts going, he's being followed by something. He felt, you know, that presence on the back of his neck, but he was too scared to turn around. And then he heard the stepping of its feet. He's like, no, no, I'm hearing things. So he picked up his pace a little bit more. And the pace of the feet behind him picked up and it got a little bit more and closer until he felt it was nearly on top of him, breathing down his neck. And the next thing he knew is he feels the hand slipping up over his skull and grabbing his face and wrenching it backwards with its claws. And I'm not going to... It just goes on and on. And just, it was, holy shit, this is the creature in the Black Lagoon and I'm creeped the fuck out. Oh, man.
1: Hmm. I, I also like to point out that, at least in my experience uh finn wolfhard owns every scene he's in in that movie as a uh, oh he's going so no, this yeah it's a
0: good movie it just i wanted to like it more than i did
1: yeah that's fair and again i have no i have no frame of reference i watched the miniseries once when i was very young and yeah it creeped me out too as a as a child but i don't know i really like the i think here's the thing i think that it the the two the movie the new movie right is fun It's creepy and tense and horror adjacent, but fun. In the same way that like Cabin in the Woods was fun. Yeah. Like Cabin in the Woods wasn't scary. It was playing around with scary concepts and like horror movie stuff, but it was not, you know, a horror movie. And I get the same kind of feeling from it. Maybe that's, maybe that's bad. Like maybe it was supposed to be a horror movie. I don't know, but I still, I loved it as the movie it is. And I felt like that was the main thing. It's like, all right, it's basically a coming of age story, except they're dealing with a cosmic eldritch horror that looks like a clown So uh, it just worked really well for me. I also really like monsters that seem to follow sets of rules. And not that I can really point out what Pennywise's rules are necessarily, but the fact that he's kind of this, like, I want to marinate it with fear kind of thing makes for some very interesting characterization, you know?
0: Yeah, no, Bill Skarsgard's acting his ass off, and he is genuinely unsetting in the story. everyone is really good but this is just one of those situations of i read the book and the book was so much better everything's going to pale in comparison well, which is do you agree then with the?
1: King. do you agree with the statement then that it is like the most stephen king stephen king book does that make any sense to you
0: again yeah. i haven't read it so i can't say but no there is and that's uh, my mom has always described stephen king books are a battle of good versus evil like that is at the core of every one of his books and he has gone on to, to tie these all in in a big interconnected universe that all the goods come from one source and all the bads come from one source and it ties into the stand and it's weird comic booky stuff but in this one it, you really see it and you really do kind of see Stephen King's belief of you know people are essentially animal or well, not his belief but he shares belief with you know Machiavelli that people are essentially amoral assholes and that we have to choose to be good so there's okay. a lot of really over-the-top asshole characters hmm. because that's how Stephen King perceives the base human nature is just to be an asshole and a selfish asshole.
1: Hmm.
0: All right, well, uh, what's your last movie? <sighs> My last movie was a toss-up. I wasn't sure which one I was going to talk about. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to go with the first creep show because that the first one is the better of the two. The two, number two, has a really uncomfortable middle bit. Which, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. And if you I haven't, I have not seen it, so. It gets a bit bad touchy, shall we okay. say. Okay. All right. Yeah. And the effects aren't as good. But uh, yeah, Creepshow, again, it's another little collection of short stories strung together, this time by a comic book.
1: Okay. I, I read here really quickly that it's an homage to uh, Tales from the Crypt, The Vault of Horror, and The Haunt of Fear. And I love Tales from the Crypt, so.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, directed by George A. Romero, which is an instant win for me. Yeah, Because he was one, you know, one of the kings of horror, right there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and the whole premise is these are all little stories from a kid's comic book. Because it all starts with, you know, a boy's father throwing out his comics and the kid being all mad at his dad. And the comic turns and you get a little story. And the first one, you know, is called Father's dad. There and this... five
1: stories in this? Sorry, yeah. go
0: ahead. Yeah, and you know, this one, I don't know. That cousin was kind of the weakest of the three, but it's all about you know this woman and her dad wasn't a but ab- was an evil motherfucker you know real asshole piece of shit and you know he's finally dead and they're all happy and she's talking about how terrible and insufferable and horrible he was and then because I don't know she spills whiskey on his grave and it resurrects him somehow. All right. I, I, I the only thing I can guess is because Jose Johnny jump up. <laughs> what I can only think is you know Gaelic uh the word for whiskey roughly translates to water of life. Why not? I mean I've heard several Irish drinking songs built around the same concept. Uh Finnegan's yeah. Wake. So Yep. And this is kind of where it gets, you get that Romero has this nice touch because the corpse really looks like a corpse. I see the word maggot infested in this description. <laughs> uh-huh. And it starts shambling after demanding his cake for, you know, Father's Day. And it's just, it feels very much like one of the dead series, maybe, you know, in this shambling corpse is chasing this poor lady, just demanding he gets his cake.
1: Ah. Huh. Like
0: I guess it is the weakest of the, you know, all of them. Uh,
1: does he, do they defeat him or does he defeat no. them?
0: He ends up, you know, the, ends with uh, her head on the cake, like, stuffed with candles and shit. Because horror movies usually end <laughs> as such. Yeah, like the, yeah, this is probably the weakest of all of them. But, I don't know. You know, transitions to the next one. What's which next, is, yeah. The next one. This one's probably the most fun. Because this has Stephen King in it playing a country bumpkin.
1: Okay. The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill.
0: Yep. And, uh basically a meteorite falls out of the sky and this guy goes up and touches it and burns his finger. And he says to himself, you darn fool, what'd you do? Don't do that for. And it's Stephen King doing the most yokely folksy borderline insulting caricature. But then it starts kind of getting in the bit of some body horror because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden he starts getting covered in this blue green fuzz and he's doing everything he can to get it off. You know, he starts pouring vodka, and he's trying to shave, and he's just trying to get everything off himself, and it won't stop. So finally, you know, he just passes out, and when he wakes up, you know, the next morning, he is totally covered in this alien vegetation, and it ends with him trying to blow his head off.
1: I'm reading that the thing that you skipped over that's very important is that he oh. takes a bath at one point.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So he's dead, and then the big stinger thing, because he's all kind of a stinger, is then the radio chimes on and predicts heavy rain that you know for the weekend, and the big you know implication being, and now this weird alien plant is going to spread because, as Axel mentioned, water helps it grow.
1: Yeah, yeah, because it's I, like this is a very short section, so I was able to read through most of it like before you got into the story. So yeah, like apparently the 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 alien plant likes water. And it's going to rain. So, you know, sat, uh, creepy ending. Okay, yeah, next.
0: This, this one's, oh, yeah. Uh, next one is called Something to Tide You Over. And this one gave me nightmares as a kid. Okay, go on. Because this one's all about, I don't know, we're starting to notice a theme here that's really weird. Anyways, uh, this guy finds out that his wife has been stepping out on him with Ted Danson specifically ted danson <laughs> well the actor is you know the guy playing it's ted danson a very young ted okay because something about the way you delivered that i was like is it ted danson in the story <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting oh, Stephen king's really got a beef against ted danson ever since he refused to be a maximum overdrive or some shit yeah anyway go on <laughs> anyways he has then drugs them and buries them up to their necks in low tide and then sets up a tv to watch the tide come in and drown them that's horrifying. Uh-huh. And then it gets worse because then that night they come back as bloated, seaweed and crustacean covered corpses. Oh, you're getting right into my fears right there. Go on. Uh-huh. And, you know, of course he tries to shoot them and stop them and it doesn't do anything because they're already dead. And it ends with the guy that buried them being, you know, put in the beach up to his neck as the tide comes in. Okay.
1: <laughs> something uh-huh. tied you over wonderful Yes, yeah, no
0: that one scared the hell out of me because they are the, the again this is romero so the makeup effects are really good and really creepy and something about the two you know bloated and covered corpses just ugh, gave me the heebie jeebies
1: okay next we have the crate
0: yeah this one is fun in a weird twisted way uh basically a janitor finds a crate from a quote-unquote Arctic expedition that has what only can be described as some weird killer monkey creature. All right, multi-fanged ape-like creature. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it had a really weird design and it stuck with me. And basically he keeps trying to, you know, get people to show it to people or to get them to, you know, give it. And they just keep getting eaten by this creature. And you're just like, why do you keep taking people in here before he gets the idea like, I can feed my wife to this thing. This <laughs> wife is just a sh- shrew. doesn't feel strong enough. Like, this is the atypical, terrible Stephen King character. Like, she's abusive and alcoholic and mean and kind of all his worst aspects. Mm. And I remember this crate's under the stairs. He's like, just go a little bit further and just get in there. And I just remember this is like almost shoving her into this thing. All right. That
1: sounds um, funny. And then it it eats her.
0: And then you know, some of this is the part always struck me weird as a kid. Is he's then you know seals up the crate like somehow everything everyone else somebody got near this crate the creature ate them but he just you know maybe they're cool like hey dude you fed me five people today we're we're cool (laughs) and boxes it up and then goes to throw it in a lake and you know remember talking like this narrative like I almost felt bad for it you know we were a kid in a way it's like oh psycho. And, you know, he tosses it in the lake. And, of course, since he's all kind of a stinger ending, the ending reveals that the beast escaped from the crate somehow, and now it's on the loose. Wonderful.
1: Ugh. All right. What next? We've got they're creeping up on you. This is your personal nightmare. Uh, I see mysophobia. What's mysophobia? That is fear of germs or vermin. Wonderful. I'm already not liking this. This one's...
0: This is, this is a rough one. Basically, there is this old miser who lives in a perfectly you know sealed apartment keeps everything clean keeps everything locked down but he has a roach problem okay and you know well that freaks him out so he goes and he you know he's trying to kill the roaches and he's trying to lock himself out but the roaches just keep coming they get more and more and they're crawling all over him and they're getting in everything and at one point at the end the roaches are coming out of his eyes and his ears and his mouth and I, oh, eh, eh, mm, no. Uh-huh. until he is totally covered in cockroaches. You know,
1: I once lived in a house when I was very young where when you turn on the lights, you the sink would be um, black for just a moment before it all disappeared down the drain.
0: Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah, no, that's how this one ends, is just him covered in cockroaches just climbing out of every orifice.
1: I don't like this. Let's move on. This is uh-huh. an epilogue. Okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And, you know, as we talked about, the whole movie starts with, you know, the kid's dad throwing out the comic because, oh, it's crap. And it ends with these, I've never forgotten this because I thought it was so weird. These two garbage men flipping through it going, oh, man, and look at all the cool stuff in the back, like, you know, x-ray specs or uh, whatever the weird stuff. these. Things? And there's an advertisement for a voodoo doll. But the garbage guy's like, oh, man, somebody already got it. And it cuts back to the dad, you know. Kind of like having a heart attack, like oh, it feels like someone's stabbing me, and it cuts up to the kid stabbing a voodoo doll of his dad.
1: Wonderful. Uh, uh-huh. Okay, this sounds like a, a pretty good series of Tales from the Crypt episodes. So yeah,
0: that's yeah. Really what it is. If you like Tales from the Crypt, you're gonna like Creepshow. Creepshow two is good, even though one of the stories has serious bad touch vibes. And then I think the third one, not the third Creepshow, is not has anything to do with them. The third one in the series, I think it's called Night Gallery.
1: Well anyway, my favorite Stephen King movie, which also happens to be one of my favorite movies of anyone ever and has been in my top five list ever since I saw it when I was in high school is uh, The Shawshank Redemption. So which is not a horror movie at all.
0: <laughs> well, there's some pretty horrific things in it. Ah
1: horrific's not the right word. There's some very because if someone hasn't seen the Shawshank Redemption, the plot line's very simple. Tim Robbins is a dude back in the like the thirties or something like that who goes to prison for killing his wife he the movie starts off very ambiguous about whether or not he actually did it but he claims he didn't he goes to prison he meets up with uh morgan freeman is uh red who um is awesome and to me this is the quintessential morgan freeman role so actually probably quintessential tim robbins role as well um is it tim robbins am i saying that right or is it was tim Dom? anyway so The story – there is no real like overarching – I mean there is an overarching theme, but it's just about him spending I think like 30 years in prison because – yeah, it's 30 years. And then at one point we find out, yeah, in fact he didn't kill his wife and there was a guy who could prove it and then the prison that's come to rely on him for – Accounting for all the guards and stuff, kills the guest, the 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 witness. So he's stuck there, and at the very end, the he manages to escape.
0: Evil, he is like, oh, you hate the warden in this movie so much.
1: Yeah, I feel like the the fact that the trailer for the movie, or not the trailer, the poster of the movie itself depicts the big climactic scene. I feel like it's not a spoiler to say, yeah, he gets out, he gets out of Shawshank. That's the redemption. But there's a lot of this movie is not live or die on any particular scene or plot or anything it's more a combination of things like there's this great moment where uh andy his character's name is andy locks himself in the the warden's office because he gets in there and all he does with that opportunity is put on some operatic music on the loudspeaker so everyone in the entire prison can hear it just for a couple minutes to you know remind them that there's an outside and there's you know beauty in the world and Basically, the whole theme of the movie is about hope. And I mean, they literally Morgan Freeman's character basically strips, says it at at the end. And actually, Andy says in the letter, it's calm. Point is, it's a movie about humanity and hope and going through difficult circumstances, finding friendship in the worst of circumstances, making the best of what's happening and always moving forward. It's it's so powerful (laughs) that I can't.
0: It's a really good movie. No, this is one of the only examples of Stephen King returned the royalty check to the director after he saw it because he thought he adapted the book perfectly.
1: Really? I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: He was so happy. with was like, nope, I don't want any money from this. This is enough.
1: Yeah, it's – the movie is so beautiful. Like – and yes, there are some scenes in it. That they're horrific. Pretty much anything to do with the sisters uh, is pretty bad, which is a, a gang in the prison, again, for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um but yeah, like, I mean, of all the movies I've listed, Shawshank is the only one that I'm like, you need to see. I don't care what kind of genre of movies you're into. Shawshank is a pinnacle, a paragon example of what film can be, what stories can be. And I think everyone needs to see Shawshank Redemption, personally. It's on Netflix right now. Yeah, go go watch it if you haven't seen it. I, I don't know what else to tell you. It's It's just so good. <laughs> it's a drama. So, you know beware what you're getting into but you just to have it as part of your set of experiences it will have an effect on who you are i'm not saying it's going to like fundamentally change you or anything but i feel like it's one of those things that's like it will always be part of you going forward after you've experienced it if that makes any sense
0: Yeah. no i agree with that no this has been a lot of fun i mean going through this i kind of realized I could probably go on. There's a lot more Stephen King I could talk about. Like there's a lot we could talk about. Just the to top. I kind of had to rush what you through Creepshow, creep
1: King. show, man, because that was a lot. <laughs> so
0: I, I know. No, I said I've seen. I've seen a lot of Stephen King because, namely, because my mom loves Stephen King. So no, we might have to do this again sometime. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Maybe after I see some more Stephen King movies.
0: <laughs> Maybe for uh, bootober. Maybe.
1: Let me uh, move into our suggestions of the week. I, I guess right. I'll just kick us right off. As I started it, um, there's a show on Netflix called 100 Humans. Have you seen it, Ulrich?
0: Yeah, it's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, there you go. 100 Humans is half reality television show and half pseudoscience-y show because it paints itself as being a science show. But the, as someone who is, you know, actually in the STEM community, I'm like, I can see the problems with the experience. It's still fun though. The premise is very simple: three comedians. Uh, get a hundred people, a sample size by a hundred people from different, you know, parts of the country together for seemingly a few weeks and they just conduct experiments on them. Just there's like seven or eight episodes and each episode has like four different experiments. And they'll do simple things like um oh okay at one point they just have uh, them all standing and they're like okay if you think you're smarter than the average person here raise your hand and like 80% of the people, 80 of them raise their hand. So it's like, oh, that's you know, by sh- sheer numbers, only 50% can be like smarter than the average or something like that. So it's these kind of these kind of things. Sometimes they get a little more complicated sometimes. Like um, at one point, they have a bunch of people try to learn how to do plate spinning, like you know, on the top of a, a, a stick, and then they have half of them get criticized and half of them get praised, and they have them do it again and find that the people who have been criticized all got worse. and the people who got praised all got better. It's just fun little experiments with, with people. It's uh, like
0: what I would do if I were a supervillain and, you know, I had my own country. Two of the episodes are a little uncomfortable just
1: because the hosts throw a lot of shade Uh, which is there's an episode on bias and an episode on gender. And I have no problem with studying either of those two things as concepts. In fact, the last experiment in the bias episode is my favorite experiment in the entire show. But in between the experiments, they make some comments that really bugged me. But other than that, the rest of the show is really good, really fun.
0: All right. Uh, I'm going to talk about a show that, no exaggeration, Mm -hmm. everyone needs to see if only so they become familiar with Operation Paperclip. I don't know if you know what Operation Paperclip was or not. Operation Paperclip was after World War II, the US government smuggled out lots of Nazi scientists and gave them pardons so they could help us with the space race and whatever projects we had.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And they were not good people. They did terrible, terrible things. And we smuggled them out and we gave them jobs and we forgave their sins. Okay. So the premise of Hunters is what if, kind of a fanciful 1970s take on it. So we brought all these Nazis into the country. What are they going to start doing but doing what Nazis do and start trying to plan a Fourth Reich? And because we've brought them in and they've infiltrated, you know, the country so well, very much Hydra. Well, that's what the whole Winter Soldier storyline is based off of, was this exact premise. Go on. So a Holocaust survivor has put together a team to hunt down and kill these Nazis. Some Nazi scalps. Oh, yeah. And this is uh, produced by Jordan Peele. So, you know, it's got that seal of Quality. Robert De Niro – no, Al Pacino, sorry, is the leader – Okay. He's our big Holocaust survivor. Uh, you've, got, you've got a couple other people. They have a couple Holocaust survivors you've got. You got this, It's an interesting uh, mix. And it really, it, it's mostly serious, except for a couple times they kind of cut away to, you know, lighten the tension. And one of them is they have a great kind of joke. They have a lot of real jokes. But one of my favorite ones is how to know if your neighbor's a Nazi. And they go through and list all these things like, do they salute at a 90-degree angle? They might be a Nazi. You know, white people. Do they, you know, is <laughs> drawing swastikas a lot? They might be a Nazi. So or it kind white of funny. people. So it's actually got well, some comedy. There's some comedy bits in there, but, you know, I had to stop watching this for a bit because it gave me nightmares. Oh. Which is saying something considering what I've studied and what I know about the Holocaust and all history and whatnot, because most of these ones open with, okay, this is the Nazi we're hunting today, and this is the thing they did.
1: Hmm.
0: I keep so, passing it
1: over on the... Uh is it amazon prime that's on it yes
0: this? it's on prime
1: yeah i keep seeing it um
0: i'll give it a shot at some point i just <laughs> have to find time to watch you, shows you gotta go into it because it was marketed as a comedy but it is way more dramatic than it is than you know comical except until you get to the end because the final episode had me just shouting at the screen holy fuck what the hell you are kidding me And then after that big reveal of the season, it goes even more insane. This is an incredible show. I said, more people need to watch this, if only so I never have to hear again. It's only a few Nazis. What's the worst that could happen? Nazis, that's the worst that can happen (laughs) anyway. Because I feel like people, and this is gonna be a bit of a rant, but I feel like we as a society have not taken the lessons we should have from the Holocaust.
1: And this wow. movie
0: is like, no, this happened. This was terrible. We did this. We let them into our country. And I mean, the show, Racist yes. Hunters. Right. Yes, the show is very much, you know, stating that. And it, 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 there's a bit of uh, joke the, fact, to it. the fact
1: that there are people who are Holocaust deniers, that that's a thing that exists, is proof positive of your statement.
0: Uh huh. And there's a bit of, you know, Schadenfreude in it. Like, and then they hunt down and brutally murder these terrible Nazis.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: But yeah, no, I think I'm suggesting this one mainly because Nazi awareness in this country is too damn low for what it should be. And more people need to know about Operation Paperclip because that's some shady shit that we did and we need to own. All right. Sounds interesting enough to me. Who's the main actor? Oh, I don't know. I honestly like, I don't know. The only person I know in here was Al Pacino. Mm, Someone newish. All right, cool. cool. Yeah, everyone in this is relatively unknown. Al Pacino is doing a great job. It's Pacino, it's, man. It's, yeah. Well, but there's there's Pacino, and there's over the top Pacino, and he finds that right balance. And like I said, this is an insane TV show, especially that ending. You are not going to believe how it ends. All right. Cool. Well, sorry to end us on that down note, but if you are still here, and you're still with us. Please like, share, subscribe, do all the things because podcasts are growing. There's more and more of them every day, and that makes the the uh, odds of our discovery shall we say that much slimmer so it really is important that you share this with friends and whatever platform you're currently listening
1: to us on thank you that is awesome i i i am really like appreciative i'm just really tired right now I, was, I just realized my voice probably didn't have the same energy in it that it had earlier i had been like leaning back so <laughs> anyway we are currently on soundcloud stitcher google play PocketCast, spotify and iHeartRadio. radio if there is some platform you would like us to be on that is not there Uh, tell us what it is so we can look into getting on it and i uh pam i hope you have enjoyed this specifically i hope everyone enjoys this but since you requested this i hope you enjoy this specifically and
0: uh let us know (laughs) as always this has been lord commander Ulrich. and his shield brother axel wright be sure to tune in next time and as always stay honorable